Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The thousand-year reign of Christ, it's not new heaven and new earth. That's to come. So it's not perfect because you're still dealing with sin. So there still will be things that have to be dealt with to what extent and all that stuff. I'm not sure, but use your imagination. What are sinners good at doing? Sinning in all different kinds of ways. And even with Jesus there present, of course with Jesus there present. To err is human, they say. Even the best athletes make crucial mistakes. The most excellent musicians still hit wrong notes, and the most eloquent of speakers have the occasional slip of the tongue. People aren't perfect, and they never will be on this earth. In today's message, Pastor James teaches about what the world is going to be like when Jesus reigns over it. There will be peace among nations, and even peace between man and the wildest of animals. But people will still be people and will still be capable of sin. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Isaiah chapter 20, as Pastor James continues his message, The Millennial Reign. What we believe, and I would say we as a church, you read through the Bible, to me it seems like there's just no other way around it. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to establish his kingdom for a thousand years on this planet. You and I, to some form or fashion, will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Okay, so let's get into kind of uh, what the millennial is going to kind of look like, okay? Because there will be people repopulating this planet. All right, so we understand that. Let's look at Israel's involvement because this is one of the key things for the millennial reign. Israel is, as uh, David Gutzik would say, it's going to become the superpower of the nation. Like Israel is going to be the hub. It's going to be the center point. There will come a, a new Jerusalem. There's a new heavens, new earth. There's going to be a new Jerusalem, all this good stuff. But I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter two. Okay, fascinating little scripture here. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says this in Isaiah chapter 2. It says, The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it came to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. All the nations shall flow to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse four, it says, he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Okay. So I'll just stop right there. This is what will be happening in the millennial reign. Okay, because what we know right now, you don't even have to go too far, but you can pull up your phone and you can see that nations are coming against Israel, even more so, even more so today than what it seems like ever before. Like nations are continually seeming to rise up against Israel. Now, some other nations are developing peace treaties with and all that. That's cool. But nobody's beating their swords into plowshares. Nobody's transforming their weapons into farming equipment. 
Okay? What's cool about this is if you go to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, this is the verse that they have over the archway when you're leaving it. This is what they're hoping for. This is their hope, is that one day this peace will take place on this planet, but man, that everybody will turn their weapons into, you know, farming equipment, so to speak. Individuals will be going up to Jerusalem, they'll sit, and they'll learn from the Lord, and all this cool stuff. That's one thing that'll be happening concerning Israel during this thousand-year reign. It'll be peace for this nation that has not had many instances of peace during its existence. The world itself has known, you know, only 10% of our world history has been peaceful times, probably even less so for Israel, okay? So during this time period, Jerusalem will be the capital, basically, of the government of the Messiah. It will be a theocratic reign, meaning Jesus will be the king. You won't need to worry about any elections. You won't need to worry about registering to vote. You don't have to do any of that because Jesus is going to be the king and he's going to be the man in charge forever, forever. The best president ever. It will be Jesus, okay? And he will establish, his throne will be there in Israel. So you got this perfect administration. You got righteousness that's happening on the planet. The citizens of the earth, though, concerning these guys, Revelation chapter 19 talks about Jesus ruling with like a rod of iron and and all this stuff. Why? thousand years, Satan's not here. It's peace. What could possibly go wrong? Well, there will be people born during the millennium because you have people that survive the tribulation and the earth will get repopulated. I mean, so just envision this. You have a thousand years where the structure of the earth has changed. Okay? So thought process here is if it is going back to a Genesis chapter one type of world, that was a perfect environment, perfect environment where things lived much longer. People lived much longer. In fact, I was listening to Skip Heitzig talk about this very thing today. And he referenced the fact that if a person dies during the millennial reign of Christ at a hundred years old, they will be considered them dying as an infant, okay? So lifespans will be much longer. But the problem is, is that people getting born during the millennial reign of Christ, they're not born Christians, just like today. Nobody is born a Christian. Nobody is born a believer in Jesus. That is a personal decision that one must make on their own volition. That has to come out of their own choice, You're not born into the right family, okay? Nobody's, I don't care how cool and how great your parents were and your granddaddy was a pastor or whatever church, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're born a sinner. I'm born a sinner. Every person born during the thousand-year reign of Christ will be born a sinner. And so that sin has to be dealt with. So during a thousand years, as our world is getting repopulated and lifespans are, live, are much longer, you're going to have a ton of people on this planet, right? There's going to be a ton, a huge population. That very well could come into where you and I have active roles, ruling and reigning with Christ. If, if there's tons of people, population, maybe you're kind of like an ambassador to a certain region, right? You're representing Jesus to the people in the New Texas or whatever, maybe. I don't know if it's, of course it's going to be New Texas. Of course, right? Like, amen. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. But whatever, maybe you are assigned a specific region on this planet. Okay, think about that. Think about that. 
as my mind goes through, I'm like, oh man, that's kind of, all right, so the Lord knows my heart. Okay, check, good, because uh, I don't want to get stuck somewhere for a thousand years. Like He's like, James, listen, um, you barely made it in. Your clothes are still smoking, okay? So uh, what we did is uh, you get the short straw, and you're going to go where it's frozen all at night. I don't know if that's going to how it works at all. Probably doesn't work that way. Just being in his presence is going to be more than enough, okay? I could spend a thousand years just at his feet, all right? That's going to be more than enough. But you get to rule and reign with Christ. So if the world is getting repopulated and it looks like a whole new world kind of a deal, maybe you're assigned a specific region and there's people that you're overseeing as, you know, you're kind of governing, so to speak, that area. I don't know. That's a common thought that's out there, though. That's kind of intriguing. I like that. I like that. If there's any way I can co-rule and reign with my wife, that would be even better, right? Like she's a thousand years to me. She's going to be like, oh, look, okay, you stay on your side of the county and I'm going to stay on my side of the county, whatever. I'll still be chasing her down. But that could be what it's like. Yeah, nobody can say dogmatic. What I do know it, how it's not going to be like is you're not going to walk through the pearly gates and St. Peter's going to be there and is going to hand you your harp and your, you know, angel wings in your diaper or whatever and says, okay, your cloud is over there, right? Like, that's not it. That's not it. Whoever thought of that really has painted a, a horrible picture for a lot of people. Because some people think that that's what heaven is. That's not it. Ruling and reigning with Christ. If people are getting born during this time, then if they're born sinners, then they will have the opportunity to know Christ. So there could be a thousand-year reign, ruling and reign with Jesus, where you are sharing the gospel with people. Because the gospel is still effective, and it will still be needed. Now, there will be a time, new heaven and new earth, the gospel will be greatly appreciated. It will be central to our hearts, I'm sure of that. But at that point in time, there's no need for salvation, because everybody who's in is in. During the thousand-year reign of Christ, there are going to be people who need to hear the gospel. So maybe that's part of that ruling and reigning with Christ is we're just missionaries. We're just missionaries sharing the gospel with people because they still need to know about them. And the difficult thing about the millennial reign of Christ for an unsaved person is Jesus will be there. Now you're like, well, how's that difficult? Well, because the cross is going to be something that it's distant for us. But he's not, I mean, physically with us right now. I mean, the Holy Spirit resides inside of us and we have his word and all that stuff. But imagine there's a thousand year reign and then you're seeing Jesus like every day for a thousand years. Now you'll see the scars because they're still going to be there. But we can understand after a thousand years, people seeing him, that story of the cross, like, well, I don't. So if you're putting yourself in people's shoes, and putting yourself there of like, okay, what would that be like if I was born during this millennial reign? And well, there's a guy that keeps telling me I'm supposed to follow. That guy died for me, but, but there he is. Like, I see some scars on his hands, but so you can understand there might be some difficulty. People aren't going to just automatically going to believe even if they see him. Even if they see him. We think that that's always better. Like, man, if I could have been around, you know, as one of his disciples... Like, when he was walking on planet, I would have followed him. Would you have? Would you? I don't know. I don't know. It's easy to speculate. 
I'm just glad I'm following them now, right? Like, I'm glad I'm in now. But for the people who are being born during this time, he'll be present, he'll be there, but they still have to make the decision. They still have to make the decision. So that might be part of where we come into play, telling people about Jesus for a thousand years. Good time to practice now. <laughs> but good time to practice is now. You're like, oh, I just have a hard time. Well, listen, this might be your job for a thousand years, okay? So get used to it. This is training. These people, unfortunately, there is going to be a sizable population at the end of the thousand years that will have rejected Jesus. We know that from the rest of chapter 20 of Revelation. But before I get there, I want to, I don't want to miss out on anything. I want to, let's talk about life during the millennial reign, okay? Because this is where it gets fun for me, okay? Not that, I mean, ruling and reigning is cool. I'm looking forward to that. But there's another side of this that I'm really excited about. And it's what life on this planet is going to be like, okay? Especially for us. Because if you're not calculating this right within your brain, at this point in time, you will have a new glorified body. New body. No more aches and pains. No more creaking and cracking. None of that stuff, right? You want to go on that 20-mile hike? Go for it. You won't even get winded, right? Like, this is going to be amazing. Like, I can barely get up a couple of flights of stairs without, you know, sucking down some breath, right? Like, that won't even be a problem. You want to climb Mount Everest? Well, it kind of got destroyed in the, you know, in the tribulation. Maybe there'll be a new one. Climb that mountain. Whatever you want to do. But this aspect, it really fascinates me. Because this planet is going to be, like you said, this is like HGTV to the max, right? Like this remodel of this planet is going to be incredible. It's going to be insane. There will be animals living on this planet. That's encouraging. That's kind of cool, right? That there will be animals. I can't say your dog that you love is going to be there. I don't know how that works, but there will probably be dogs, okay? So if you're a cat person, I'm sure there's going to be some cats. If you're not a cat person, you'll learn to love them in a thousand years, I'm sure, right? Because there won't be any allergies either. So you'll be good. But this is what the word says concerning animal life on this planet. Now, we know from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 that God created all the animals, okay? And it was Adam's job to, as part of ruling this planet, was to give the animals names. So as they were marching by him or whatever, however that worked out. He's naming all these animals and all this good stuff. There was no fear between the animal and Adam, between man and animal. There was perfect peace. The animals were not afraid of Adam chasing them down and making stakes out of them. There was no fear on that. There was not even a thought on their brain until sin came in. Once sin came in, then fear was instilled within animals concerning mankind, right? And should be vice versa. There should be some healthy fear on your part of certain animals, okay? But you should know that by now, okay? You should understand that. But some of the verses, some of the scriptures that talk about how we will relate to animals within this kingdom, I think it's Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, talks about this. Classic verse, right? Classic verses here. It says, the leopard shall lay down with the young goat. They're Normally enemies, like one, guess which one, is usually chewing on the other one, okay? And it's not the goat, although they chew on everything, it's not chewing on the leopard, okay? So the leopard and the young goat lie down together. 
the calf and the young lion and the fatling, that's the New King James, together. The little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole or the snake's den. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a cool little picture for Isaiah. Like, and you could be thinking of this as like, well, is this really what this means? Is this a literal? I believe this is a literal interpretation. We know this because of Genesis. Like, Genesis is the key book, right? Especially those first 11 chapters are absolutely monumental to understanding just our world right now. But we know from the very beginning, I'm sure Adam was just, Adam can walk by and see a pit full of vipers and just stick his hands in there and kind of noodle them around or whatever, you know, and no fear of getting bitten by these things. There was a lion. The lion wasn't interested in eating Adam. He wanted straw. He wanted hay. Well, no, see, lions are not suited to eat vegetation. They have sharp teeth. Well, the one who mates the lion can change the dental structure of that animal, okay? It's not hard for him to do. He had these things pop up out of the ground like they were Pop-Tarts, right? Just poop, there's the animals, okay? He can restructure their mouths. He can change those teeth, those canines and all that stuff into flat grinding teeth that will enjoy some gluten, okay? Because they're going to love it. They're really going to love this stuff. And so will we. Hey, all you who are gluten sufferers, the thousand-year reign of Christ, right? You're going to be found in the bread house, right? Like, you're just going to be gorging yourself. I will be there too. Fresh baked bread, like, bring it on, okay? No more stomach issues, okay? But it's painting this picture of, like, you have this peaceful environment where your kids can go out and play, and yet there will be sinners on this planet. There will be. You can go out, and there's wildlife, and you don't have to live in fear of this bear turning on you and mauling you or alligators or crocodiles swimming around and this or that. And that fear has been taken away. And I think that's one of the key points to the thousand year reign of Christ. Fear has been removed for the most part. Now, again, it's not heaven. That's the other thing we need to understand. The thousand year reign of Christ, it's not new heaven and new earth. That's to come. So it's not perfect because you're still dealing with sin. So there still will be things that have to be dealt with to what extent and all that stuff. I'm not sure, but use your imagination. What are sinners good at doing? Sinning in all different kinds of ways. And even with Jesus there present, of course with Jesus there present. Because he's present with you and I every single day. We're still pretty good at sinning, right? So it's going to be the same, so to speak, within the thousand-year reign of Christ. However, nature is renewed, is restored, is being restored. So that's why I always, I always talk with my youth kids about, I'm just going to own a pet bear. That's it. Wherever my house is, whatever that looks like that the Lord is preparing for me, there will be a place where there will be a giant fuzzy bear, grizzly bear, of course. So you're going to have this 
perfect environment, so to speak, in the sense of nature and all that good stuff. This is the thousand-year reign of Christ. So that is concerning animal life, so to speak, on this planet. Now, back to Revelation chapter 20. We reread through verses 1 through 6. So now let's look at verse 7. There's so much more to the thousand-year reign of Christ. There just is. We could spend weeks on this subject matter. The temple, all this crazy stuff. But I'm just kind of giving you a snapshot. Verse 7 of chapter 20 says this. Now, when the thousand years have expired, okay, so there is a start date and there's an end date. And the thousand years will end. There will be a day where that does end. It says Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations. And that's who he is. He's the great deceiver. He will go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth. So he will cover all the corners of this planet, Gog and Magog, to gather them together. You know, we've already addressed that to a certain extent. But he's going to amass an army. So after a thousand years of like really ideal situation, you know, living environment, so to speak, He's going to be able to come back onto this planet, deceive many, create kind of an army, so to speak, to rebel against the Lord. And that's their whole point. So he gets them to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. And that's one of those mind-boggling things. So you've got a thousand years where Christ has established his rule and his reign here on this planet. Believers now who get raptured up, return with him. You're going to be ruling and reigning with him. And over the course of that thousand years, as people are getting born and they're making up their own minds of whether they want to follow Jesus or not, Satan is deceiving. You know, after the thousand years, he's set loose. He gets to deceive people. People are more than willing to jump on his side. Because believe it or not, even after a thousand years, there's going to be people who see Jesus physically every single day. And they're going to say, I don't want to follow you. It's just mind-boggling. But he'll be able to amass an army. It says as the number, as the sand of the sea. A number is, you know, likened to the sand of the sea, which is just a huge army. So again, remember, you got a thousand years. People are living longer. They're having longer lifespans. And, you know, the population of the earth is going to be tremendous. There are certain individuals who believe, like, there's too many people living on this planet right now. That's not true. That's not true. That's only true if you've used up all the space on this planet, and we haven't. And we haven't. Well, we don't have enough food. That's not true. That's not true. We're just selfish. There are people who are starving on this planet, and there's more than enough food. There's more than enough wealth. There's more than enough resources on this planet currently to sustain everybody who's alive on this planet right now. We're just selfish, if we're honest. We're just selfish. Nobody really wants solutions. We want power and we want control, right? And so we'll kill babies so that we can control the population. During the tribulation, the earth doesn't get bigger. There's no thought that the earth is going to get bigger to account for all these, you know, however many more people. We don't know how many people make it through the tribulation and all that good stuff. But the earth stays the same size, Now, maybe there's less seas, and so there's more land. Okay, that's a thought, because maybe all the waters gather back together, like in Genesis chapter 1. That's a possibility. But we still have the same size planet, and there are going to be a lot of people. Hope, 
You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website, too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you here on Bread for the Broken.